Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We review of the Wolves home game and a preview of the Southampton away game. I'm Darren Driver, the Ilan Melier man of the match performance of the podcast. The brickbats may come later, but thank God we've still got him. And I'm here with Josh Hobbs, the Wolves time-wasting tactics of the podcast. As always, he's going to do everything in the most considered way possible. And finally... The Jesse Marsh PR campaign of the podcast. He's causing beef with every manager, but making sure the South Stand love him. It's Adam Elliot. Adam, how you doing, brother? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I've had a, a busy week, a productive week, um, and a cherry on top. We've signed a goalkeeper. And I know you love to talk about those, Darren. I do love to talk about goalkeepers. However, I will give fair warning that I do not know anything about this particular <laughs> goalkeeper, so I won't be saying anything about him at all. Uh, <laughs> Hobbsy, how are you doing? Good, mate. Uh Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Starting starting the season with a win, getting the monkey off the back first game. Uh, <laughs> how how long did we wait? It was October. It was October last season, I think. It just yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although John McKenzie and I were—I don't know why I call him John McKenzie every time I refer to him now. John and I uh, were on Sky Sports uh, at the Watford game that we eventually won last season. Stood under the scoreboard. There was a very nice shot mm. of us. Um, so I forgot about that. That was a nice memory from from a win, which should have come much sooner. Anyway, that's enough for now of that. Um, let's <laughs> let's have a quick roundup of. Uh, the the news, such as it is, before we get into the review of the Wolves game. So, yeah, Adam, tell us how the transfer window's going. There have been a couple of developments, one of which you've already briefly referred to, but uh, on you go. Um, yeah, obviously we've signed a goalkeeper, which is nice, because I feel like we did need a more experienced backup. Our oldest and most experienced goalkeeper was Ilan Melier at 22 years old. Uh, that's not ideal, in my opinion. I mean, Klaassen did fair fairly well at the end of last season for us when we needed him in the Wolves game and for the 23s he started to pick up a little bit but I think having a, a more established backup is probably for the best and, and he's not got loads of games under his belt he's normally been a, a number two throughout his career but he's still you know he's got some Premier League experience and some experience of this country so that's pretty good um, on other things we uh, we haven't got Callum Wendo it looks like he's off to Stad Ren and then 
yeah, I guess we'll we'll talk about potentially other strikers. I don't know, Hobbsy, you want to talk about maybe Che Adams a little bit? <laughs> well, just I think I've said before that he's one that I would go for. I know he's not the um, exciting options, especially like knowing that we were linked with uh, Decatur Lara as a like that. I think Radrazani called it the like cherry on top or the icing on the cake uh, signing. Uh, che Adams obviously wouldn't be that, but it just means that if Bamford is ever out or he's hits a horrible run of form or something like that, we have an alternative option that still maintains the tactical system that that we're trying to play. And I personally think that's important. So that'd be that'd be more of a what you call a floor raising signing rather than a ceiling raising one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah, I, I, it's a. It's a squad depth signing, but I, d- I don't think he'd like. I don't think having him would be like saying, "Well, you, like you've never got a chance to be the number one." So I think he could genuinely compete with Pat. I know that quite a few people sort of look look down on the idea of signing him, but I, I personally think he is very good as a like combative number nine, stretch the play, hold the hold the ball up, do a lot of what is actually required. Uh, in this particular role so yeah we're we're not actually strongly linked with him at the moment and it seems like Everton might actually make a bid for him but I think it's one to watch. Excellent Um, and Adam did I detect a note of sadness in your Callum Wendo news? Yeah it's quite sad it it just sounds like we are sort of biding our time in the window now after what Rajazani said last week in his interview with Phil Hay Mm, the Athletic mm. it sounds like we're sort of watching the market now but that felt like one that we could have jumped on it felt like an opportunity missed really so I am quite sad about that and I know that Tom Wilson is a big fan of his as well who will be listening and yeah it is a shame that we're missing out on him so maybe we'll go for someone like Shea Adams maybe Ben Brereton Diaz someone like that there's been a few others linked like Martin Terrier um I think we'll just be assessing options for the next three weeks and see what what might come up towards the end of the window yeah I agree and Adam you raised the spectre of Rad Razani's interview there with with Phil Hay Hobbsy what did you make of that interview there was there was a lot of stuff in there and also Angus Kinnear has also spoken to the square ball in the last week and said a fair bit of stuff but maybe let's focus more on the Radrizani interview um what what did you make of it uh, I thought it was okay uh like I'm not a big fan of him speaking in general <laughs> I'd rather he I'd rather he just never spoke <laughs> because it feels like whenever he does he says stuff where we're like oh no um but I mean, I don't think there was any particular moment like that, unless you're in the camp of like Bielsa should never, ever, ever have left. Um, but I think he he justified how he felt about it at least, um, and why he made the decision that he made. Um, not everyone's going to buy that, but I, I kind of understood where he's coming from. Um, also, I thought um, I think the th- the thing for me that I thought I don't know if I think this is really genuine is when he was kind of said oh uh, I think if I'd just gone and quickly done the deal for uh the Lara then I, like I knew Milan was sleeping and I maybe could have got it done it's like what that kind of doesn't really ring true to me because I think if he did know that he like if they were so sure he was going to be this player that they could uh that would be the like icing on on the cake signing just go and do it don't don't wait but I don't know what that really was about like whether he was saying well we didn't really know what was happening with Rafinha at that time so he waited a bit but I think to me if if 
Dr. Katelara would have come to us if we just went and got it done, we would have got it done. So it kind of says to me he was he was kind of putting the brakes on it as well because he wanted to see whether Milan would come or not. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I thought it was all right. Yeah, Adam, any further further reflections on that interview? Um, anything that stood out to you? No, not really. It was more the sort of waiting around now in the market, see what comes up sort of mm. thing. And there's been mm. rumours today that Alter's on holiday, so I don't think we'll see any business now for at least another week or so. Vic- Victor Alter is on holiday. We've, uh, we've said that a few times today, I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, I sort of broadly agree with you on the Rads interview, Hobbsy. Like, I personally just wish that all football senior management were completely invisible and didn't speak to anybody, but that's not the world we live in, particularly when you've got a bit of a thirst for the spotlight like Rads has. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was some stuff where you could grumble about it if you really wanted to, but I just couldn't be asked, to be honest. Um, so let's move on to talk about the 1-0 victory in the opening game at Elland Road against Wolves. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna follow the same format as we did uh, in the in the dual header podcast last season, and we're gonna start with the interrogation where I'm gonna ask Hobbsy and Adam five questions plus some carefully selected follow ups, depending on what they say um, about about the game, and just really see how we saw it and and uh, see what we agree on and what we what we vehemently disagree on. Hopefully there'll be some of that. That's always good fun. Um, but without further ado, let us move into question one of the interrogation. Obzi, did we see Marsh's tactical identity in a Premier League game? What strengths of the system in particular did do you think we saw on Saturday? Um, yeah, definitely. I think. Um, I mean, in the most simple terms, let's look at the two goals uh, that Leeds scored. So yep. um, the first goal. This is exactly why we play narrow. Um, so when we attack the box, there. Like we're kind of in a transition moment attacking the box and Harrison plays a pass forwards, Leeds lose it because it was a bit of a loose pass. But we've got four players running to the box at the same time, all compact near each other and they don't give any space for the Wolves defenders to get the ball out again. So we score from a counter-pressing situation. Like it's not a scenario where we then create a really nice opportunity because it's a shot from an angle that goes underneath the keeper's body. So I'm not saying it's like a carefully crafted goal, but the idea of that philosophy is to create shots in the box because you have caused chaos amongst the opposition back line. So that's the first one. And then the second one, we see a quick vertical attack where um, Stroik wins the ball um, on halfway, plays it to Greenwood, quick pass to Adams, who then plays that drilled forward ball, which I I found particularly enjoyable because I remember quite a lot of people on Twitter saying that Adams was not progressive uh, and wouldn't pass the ball forward. So that was quite fun that he drilled it straight <laughs> to the feet uh, of of Click, who was in that space where you want your number 10 uh, to be. He quickly plays it. And that, that goal from there uh, is a training ground goal because that's the main thing. If you've watched the um, inside training videos on, on YouTube or on the Leeds app, 
then you'll see constantly they've been working on low driven crosses uh, and we've got uh, Aronson there arriving. Obviously, it's given as an own goal, but he's there attacking it. So, yeah, really nice to see that we scored two goals that, that come from the way that Marsh wanted us to play. First half also thought we were winning the ball around halfway loads. We're winning the ball high up loads. We nearly scored that goal where Bamford's pressing the keeper and the keeper, oh, I mean, he very nearly... Um, who Who was in goal? in the FA Cup semi-final when it happened. The um, Man City number two keeper. Oh, okay. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Stefan, yeah. that's it. Yeah, it was nearly that uh, where Mane just tackles him and it goes in. Um, and then, yeah, but the funny thing is that we were on top in that first half and we were seeing lots of how uh, Marsh wanted us to play. Um, but then they were still getting some pretty big opportunities by knocking it over the top of us or countering through it because that that chance that I'm speaking about literally like when that gets knocked back to Harrison and he doesn't manage to get the shot away they are <laughs> on the edge of our box about five seconds later and Adams has to tackle them so it's um we we saw the good stuff and we also saw how we would get hit uh, on on the counter. Yeah, absolutely. We d- we did see some of the weaknesses. So, Adam, what systemic weaknesses did Wolves expose, and and pr- probably throughout through the first half at various points, but but more or less in the second half, what what were the points where Wolves exposed our weaknesses? Well, I think the first thing to note is that our press wasn't as intense in the second half, and we kind of dropped off in that regard, um, and they pushed right up as well. Um, so they were pressing us higher. Um, the first half, our press was quite effective. We were kind of like, obviously, sad. We were sort of winning it on the halfway and higher up in like little packs of threes and fours, usually as well, which was really good to see. I think it's the best we've pressed in quite a while, actually. And it's quite easy to see that Adams and Aronson and players like that are making a difference. Whereas the game in the second half, it wasn't quite like that. It became a lot more transitional for us and that they had a little bit more control and they had a foothold in the game. Um, yeah, so that's probably the first thing to note. Um, but also, they also started to play the ball around us a bit quicker. That I felt like they actually made a bit more of an effort to up the tempo. Um, and the main area of weakness for us, I think, was our right side. They overloaded that space quite a lot. And they got a lot of joy down there. Um, we know that fullbacks in Marsh's system are the most likely to area to be exposed. But Neto and Aitnuri, they really did have a bit of a field day down that side. They were constantly getting at Rasmus. Um, and in fairness, I think that that is a very attacking left side and is probably one of the better ones you're going to face outside of the uh, top six, really, this season. That They're quite threatening players, both of them. Aitnuri is quite an attacking fullback. Um, and it's also important to note um, that... Uh, if the press breaks down um, because players aren't like hunting together like they were in the first half as much, then we also get moved around quite a lot and quite easily. And it felt like not only were they like upping the tempo, they were also able to sort of shift players around quite easily and, and get the ball around them and then they'd be out of position. And I'm particularly worried about this going forward when there's sort of less mobile players in the team. Um, obviously, we had Rocker as Strauch. Urente, those sorts, but also you'd, you'd be talking about someone like Liam Cooper as well, struggling when that happens and potentially being exposed. So those are the sorts of things I've been worried about going forwards. And we, we had a great question from Crombopolis Matthew, which I just want to pick up the first part of really, because I think it's interesting to think about what Wolves did that changed the game. So what changed tactically in the second half during the period Wolves dominated possession? Was it a drop, a change from Wolves, a drop in our press effectiveness or a bit of both? I noticed a couple of things. 
So I noticed on the rewatch that in the first five minutes of the second half, Wolves made a real point of just going over the top of our press. And that gave us, I think that put some doubt in our mind about how effective the press was going to be in the second half. And then throughout the rest of the half, I noticed that they really varied it. So sometimes they would go longer. Sometimes they would make sure they were moving the ball laterally. And I think they were also avoiding the passes that they knew were going to trigger us to move into the press um, really effectively. Was there anything else that either of you noticed about about the way that Wolves played in the second half? Yeah, I, I was going to say pretty similar to that, that I, I felt like they were they were really trying to miss it out um, yep. in, the, in the second half. So there weren't, like I would say in the first few minutes, like you say, we, we tried to press and we I think we did actually have a like in my head, pretty much from the moment the second half started, they were on top. But when I watched it back, that's not exactly yeah. how it happened. It was actually fairly even for the first five minutes or so of the half. But they began to really squeeze it uh, from like 50 minutes on. And yeah, it was that we were trying to press, but we weren't quite managing to make it work and I I think like you say they were sort of going round it and over it quickly Uh, and then I noticed that after that they were basically then once they were in our half they pushed way higher up their defensive line than they did in the first half so they weren't committing as much forward they were just kind of committing their attackers forwards in in encounters in the first half but the second half, they were trying purposefully to sustain that pressure, and you were starting to see Kilman and um, Nathan Collins and Nathan Collins. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I forgot his name then. When <laughs> he's a defender that I really like, but he was. Um, they were starting to do what our defenders were doing in the first half, which was quickly like winning those headers, uh, getting in front of Bamford and winning the ball, uh, and just not allowing us to to break out. And then when they would do that, they would basically just sort of continually switch it from side to side. And because we're narrow, we've kind of all having to adjust across uh, and and we were just then sort of pinned back. And it also creates spaces, isn't it? When a team has to constantly laterally move across the pitch, eventually spaces are going to appear that the opposition can put the ball through. Um, I think, yeah, saw that happen quite a few times. But what I would say about it is they actually didn't create a chance like that really that there was the moment where uh Aitnery got in on goal um and that actually came through them being very quick because that came with us trying to get up the pitch Bamford lose like he he was arguing for a foul but he's he's basically hit around halfway and then one pass basically and we basically someone tried to run out I can't remember who it was, but someone tried to run out and sort of intercept it before it could get to Aitnery. He nips it around them and then he's into the box and it's a good recovery challenge. But I mean, like that's, we. I'm not trying to say that they haven't created that opportunity because they have, but that didn't kind of come through them sort of like, um, like passing their way through a gap. It, it was like, I mean, it's a counter-pressing kind of situation and, and I can't claim that counter-pressing chances count for us but not for them <laughs> so 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 it's you know it is what it is but I'm just saying on the one hand a better a, a better attacking team would have probably made some chances uh, with that kind of dominance but also we we defended that well we were nice and compact Melier had to make some saves but they were kind of all saves I would have expected him to make 
Yeah, the the one at the end of the first half was really good, but that obviously is not, yeah, not, 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 not in the period of dominance that, you, that we're talking about, so that's that's different. Um, so here's a question from Drew UK three, um, and I'm going to go to Adam, then Hobbs, and then I'm going to have a go at answering it too, because there has been some mixed views about Marsh on this podcast, and probably more of the contributors leaning towards not been convinced by him. Um, so the question that Drew asked is: Did everyone appreciate Marsh's tactics, including substitutions, Adam? Uh, yeah, I'd say in the first half particularly, yes, it wasn't perfect as we still didn't create loads from open play, but we looked a lot more like a unit. And like I mentioned, the the sort of impacts thing. And also, like Hobbsy said, we were sort of more in their half camps, whereas that sort of flipped in the second half and they were camped more in our half and pushed right up onto the halfway line. And it was good to see it was like our, our defensive line was just so high up. And it also meant that you can counter press a little bit better because you can counter press actually in the opposition's half, which is where you want to be doing it rather than, you know, when you're all in a deep block. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, I, I was particularly pleased. I also enjoyed seeing the, the sort of rocker drop just in front of the centre-backs to sort of build up and, and distribute. Or he drops up the left side of them because um, obviously he's left-footed, so that suited him to build up the ball. And in Adams, his partner, you had someone who was a little bit further up, a little bit higher to do the counter-pressing stuff. And I thought it was really good. I thought they dovetailed quite nicely. Um, having that sort of visible destroyer and distribute pivot is is really good to see. And hopefully that just continues to improve. Um, and yeah, I was in their second half, particularly I was happy with how he changed the game. Um, with a different option in click as well um, and that came at quite an important time because we were kind of under the cosh at that time um, and it helped the ball just stick up front a little bit more and, and he did sort of the things you wanted to do in that area. Hobsey, did you appreciate Marsh's tactics and, and substitutions and game management? Well, I've always been more um, on board with the principles in the first place um, but I, I did agree that we weren't actually seeing those um, at the end of last season. So I, what I really wanted to see, uh, beginning with pre-season, I felt that I was seeing it, but it was good to see it in an actual Premier League game as I wanted to see the tactics starting to to work and his game philosophy coming across to the team. Uh, I think it was. And I, like, I understand aesthetically it's not going to be for everyone, um, but I think... I, I don't think you could say that it wasn't at least coming uh, towards where it's supposed to be. Uh, and yeah, um, I think it will be effective at, in some games and other games. It's it's not going to be effective. <laughs> yeah, but I but I I appreciate it fine enough. I think I think it will bring exciting back and forth games, but probably isn't going to bring a lot of the control. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think I said in the in the group chat on Saturday that that I, at half time actually I posted in the group saying that that the first half was exciting in a sort of crash bang wallop demolition derby, loads of tackles flying and everyone running around sort of way, and I can sort I, you know I I agree with you that I can definitely see the the tactical methods. Uh, or particularly in the first half, could see the tactical methods at play, and and was able to appreciate them. I think the 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 point that you raise for me, Hobbs, is that that yeah, it's probably not a, a style of football that I particularly like would would choose to watch as a neutral. But that's 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 by the by, really. Like I can I can see that to a degree it will be will be effective. I think I think 
the the one thing that I would say is that I think Wolves marginally shaded the game, and we were probably lucky to come away with a win. Um, so I'm I'm not wanting to get too carried away just with the fact that we have won, because I think there will be a lot of ga- there will be a lot of games that are that tight this season, and we will lose as many of them as we as we win at least I would imagine over the course of the season. So uh, just just one sort of note of caution really no, I that I don't want it to add. And I mean, even I, who I'm probably the like highest on it. Um, in terms of the the overall performance, but I would still agree that I like basically on the um, on the balance of that kind of twenty minute kind of period, Wolves probably deserved it because even when we I felt we were more on top in the first half, they were still getting counter attack <clears throat> chances yep. that we basically didn't get yep. when when they were on top of us. Yeah, so I I would say that. It, I, it was a game that you could say it could have gone either way and they probably just about deserved it more. Yeah. But in football, in tight games, which it was a tight game, you you, you know, it, you have to sort of show more than um, just maybe having more possession and a few more shots. Yeah. Like there is more to it than, yeah. than that. I, I agree. I agree there is. Um, Hobbsy, tell me what Click did that helped to change the game. Well, I think there's a few things. So I think, um, and funnily enough, I actually did a Patreon video um, about this. Um, so <laughs> if you haven't signed up uh, to, to our Patreon, uh, it's patreon.com slash ASAW, and uh, I would appreciate that. Um, that was uh, that was an unplanned ad break because we forgot to plan in the ad break. Um, <laughs> but but um, yeah, in a funny way, he brought a bit of uh, Bielsa <laughs> uh, in in his runs uh, in behind in wide areas. Um, I don't think everything that he was doing was was Bielsa-y, um because he's basically exactly where he needed to be um, for that Marsh goal uh, for the winning goal. But I think first of all he brought like more intensity when Rodrigo was basically knackered. Um, so he's he was more dynamic in and out of possession, so giving them less time uh, on the ball. Uh, he was able to then move into spaces to receive it and hold it and give it off to uh, a supporting player, which we were really struggling to do. Rodrigo was not doing it at all, uh, and Bamford was trying, and it was sort of bouncing off him. He was losing out on on physical duels, and I think we kind of saw the difference uh, between that Cagliari game, where it was a pretty low-intensity game of football, uh, and a, and a Premier League game, where basically in the second half he he was struggling. Um, so I think we needed Click basically to give us sort of that oxygen uh, and, and help to get us up the pitch uh, a bit more. And yeah, he he moved them around. He he gave them something to worry about. He finds space incredibly smartly, doesn't he? He's like that's one of the, the things I really love watching watching him do. Uh, Adam, so if we do, if if as we expect, I think if Click does move on, and we did do a, a goodbye podcast to him last week, um, and then I was really pleased to see him come on at, at the weekend. Do we do we have another player who can do what Click does? Really, I think in terms of like that attacking midfield profile in particular, he he worked so well at the weekend because he kind of relieved some pressure for us. He's kind of that 
glue that the ball could stick to for a bit and then he'd just give it off quite quickly quite sharply and then he'd move again like Cobsy mentioned he's just constantly finding spaces and I don't think there's other players that do that really in our team I think that the next successor for him is Greenwood but I wouldn't say that he's the same type of profile in that sense he doesn't really do those exact sort of things um, and then the other one that's probably closer to him is Forshaw but he's probably better at doing things in, an, in a sort of deeper role so neither of them are the same so Click's like the only one we really have there um, and yeah like you say he kind of changed the game at the weekend and just gave us an alternative to Rodrigo where the ball would actually stick to him and, and that's what ultimately really ruin us the game Absolutely So Adam as yeah. I've gone and I think that, sorry Go sorry Darren that's okay. I was just going to say that I think that with Click um, sorry, with Greenwood, it appears that Jesse sees him deeper uh, and obviously brought him on there again. Um, and I thought he played well in his short time on. He did. I was going to ask, I was going to follow up to ask about Greenwood. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, My bad. No, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Adam, most of our chance creation came from the counter press, as Hobbs has already said, which I think it'd be fair to say was a bit hit and miss. Uh, it was pretty consistent in the first half, maybe didn't make as many chances as you would hope, and then it was pretty non-existent for maybe 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes in the second half. But So how how do we make chances if the counter-press isn't effective? That's one of the things I'm worried about this season. Yeah, open play chances weren't plentiful, were they really? Um, I think two things for me is maybe like another profile up front, which is closer to Bamford stylistically. It gives Harrison another like outlet to hit. Um, and on that note, he was fairly quiet at the weekend in my opinion but he still came up with a few really killer crosses and we sort of said last season that you kind of lose part of his game when Bamford was out of the team with no proper target to hit so why not have two of them why not have two options they could either play together or they could play you know like one of them could be in the team one of them could be on the bench we can mix it up like that but it's a shame that we don't have someone of Bamford's type in the team and we mentioned Shea Adams earlier like he would be that sort of player there where you'd have Bamford and him as options for Harrison to hit. So that's one way that, that chance creation could be improved on. But the other way I would say is to get more like moments players in the team. And I don't necessarily think this is a good thing to rely on these sorts of players who can sort of conjure something up out of nothing. But we had Rafinha last season who was able to do that in tight games. And, and from, from my reckoning, I think Wolves are going to be in a similar part of the table to us next season. And so these sorts of games where you're going to need moments players to come up with big moments. And um, Sinistera, obviously he springs to mind to me because he is that sort of exciting attacking player, very flair, very much a flair player, sorry, um, very fast, very direct. And so he could potentially be that sort of player in those tight games where you could get something um, just from him having a moment of brilliance. Hobsey, our friend Udav asked a really good question, which doesn't isn't entirely linked to this, but I think it's important anyway. So Udav says that he rewatched the game, and most of our good attacks in um, consolidated possession possession phases involved Rocker dropping deep into the back line. Do you think that we might suffer from an over reliance on Rocker in build up this season? Uh probably. To be honest, um, I, I don't think we've got another passer in the in the squad uh, that's like him. I think Forshaw's more of like a possession circulator um, and uh, Rocker is like, is a distributor, a progressor. Uh, You saw him driving the ball like through the lines. uh, And yeah, I I don't think we have got another player like that. I think they maybe would like Greenwood to become a player like that, but that's going to take time and, 
he may even with uh, <laughs> even with years he he might not ever get to to rocker um who's obviously been playing this role for a really long time um and was already at a high level um before so yeah uh, th- that's kind of how it is i think for a team like us it's hard to have another player of that quality um let's hope he stays fit yeah let's hope so let's hope so um and just one further follow up that i just wanted to touch on briefly so a lot of the discussion uh, after the game was around like how many opportunities to make chances we had where we didn't make opportunities and I think we talked about this a lot last season and it's one of the things I'm concerned about for the season so do you think sometimes fans put too much stock into the times we get into good positions but don't actually make a chance I'm saying that because we notice those when we do it we don't necessarily notice it when the opposition do it uh, and and Wolves got into just as many of those positions as we did on Saturday so I just thought it was quite an interesting philosophical discussion really Adam what do you think? I think teams are always wasteful and, and that sort of does go unnoticed sometimes. And I'm not just talking about shots, but like you say, positions almost on the pitch um, where players just don't make that, that pass quite on time or quite right. Um, and that's normal. I think that's fairly normal, even at a high level. So, you know, not every player is Lionel Messi or Kevin De Bruyne who's going to pick the perfect pass more often than they're not or put the ball in a dangerous area or whatever. So I'm not too worried about that. I, I would, like I say, like to create a bit more from open play. Um, rather than just relying on chaos, I guess I know that is open play, but you know what I mean by that. Like I'd like to do some of these like free flowing moves where we sort of the only part of the game where we saw that was the goal where we actually put a few passes together and then put the ball in the box from the low cutback. I'd like to see more of that. Yes, so we get in those positions. That's where we might have some joy this season. But I'm not too worried when we are wasteful. I understand that players will. I think something we're always guilty of with like Rodrigo is we get frustrated when he gives the ball away, but he at least is trying things sometimes. And so you have to appreciate that creative players will do that and will give the ball away. Mm. I, just for the record with Rodrigo, I get frustrated when he just doesn't do anything rather than when, yeah, <laughs> when he tries well. things that don't yeah. come off. <laughs> Hobbsy? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, obviously, I mentioned like that eight Nuri opportunity where we just... T- it's a desperate tackle in the box or it's a one-on-one um, and that chance where Adams had to tackle them on the edge of the box after they broke uh, from our, from us being about to shoot into an open goal. So I, I'm aware that they had those opportunities and I think particularly for our level of team, you are going to stack those opportunities a lot and particularly when we have a, a front line that you would probably say is a lot more worker B than it is... Um, real technicians um so that is definitely going to happen to us uh a lot i don't know whether i'd say do we put too much stock on it maybe we do a little bit because we have natural bias uh towards our own team but be interesting to see how how it goes this season um i feel we will be better at creating chances than we were last season but i also feel like we're going to have some games where we are that Dr. Cox from Scrubs moment where he's smashing his head against the the side. Yeah, my favourite gift. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Okay, question five. Um, We're just going to have a few seconds talking about each of the new players just because it was our first time seeing them in a competitive environment. So, Adam, what did you make of Ramos Christensen? (laughs) That was a good reference to last week. Thank Um, you. Nice callback. It was. Um, I think he'll have easier days than than this game. I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mentioned that. Yeah. Well, he had two threatening players down that side, he and, did, and he I did. think 
that was a bit of the problem for him and, and maybe not enough support. But we know that fullbacks are going to be exposed. I did enjoy his meaty tackle. I also enjoyed that he took a meaty hit to the face and still managed to play on. But I'll let him off for potentially having a bit of a, a dodgy performance after a bash to the head, which, let's be honest, was probably a penalty. Mm, it was definitely a penalty. Hobbsy, what do you make of Christensen? Uh, yeah, tough debut. Um, worst of the four, but... Um... He did. It's, it's, you still saw how he fitted in, uh, and he did some. It's not to say he didn't do some good stuff alongside struggling to deal with two good, good players. Mm, yeah, I I would agree. I would agree with all of that. I hope he manages to yeah have an easier day at the weekend. Um, Rocker, let's go with Hobbsy first. Yeah, really, really strong first half. Um, what we haven't talked about is I just loved that he was always in the right spot when the ball kind of broke out, he just recovered it a lot of times just by being there. And in preseason, I was concerned that he would be slow to those moments, but his his positioning just seemed to be better this time around. I don't know why that was, but I didn't see those moments. Where I was like, oh, he's half a yard slow there. Um, so yeah, really happy with that. Second half, he struggled, um, but it, the, he, I think he is going to struggle if we're stuck on the back foot for ages because it, that's that's not where the game suits him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Adam? Yeah, we touched on his distribution already, but some of his passes in the first half were really nice, really aggressive, really forward thinking. Um, and I particularly, I think he's got a lovely left foot. I particularly really liked him in that regard. Um, I agree with Hobbsy, like positionally he was pretty decent and that's probably what he's going to have to be given his lack of mobility. But he was he was fine. He wasn't my favourite, but he was fine. Mm, I really, really like him. I'm going to enjoy watching him a lot this season, I think. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, that's going to be fun uh, for me. Uh, Adam, talk about Adams. Yeah, I think that, that you kind of talk about Rocker and Adams when you talk about them together um, and how they dovetailed with each other. And like I mentioned earlier, like I really, really liked Adams in terms of his um, counter-pressing and pressing in, in their half, in the first half. Uh, I don't know how many times I've got the numbers to hand, but he seemed to have so many recoveries or interceptions or tackles or blocks, whatever it was. So many, so many high up as well, like I say. So in that sense, he was really good. And and distribution-wise, a couple of nice passes, but not as much to shout about as, as Rocker. But together, I thought they worked really well. So even if there was some areas of each player that I wasn't as happy with or keen on, as a pair, they seemed pretty decent. Maybe not for that 20 minutes period of the second half, but in general, they were pretty good. Hobsey? Yeah, um, wouldn't say much more than that. Thought it was impressive, um, and and I think they they suit each other as a pair. Um, really happy with him. Yeah, I I really agree with that. Um, I do think they I do think they dovetail really well. Um, and I think I think that'll be good to watch that develop over the course of the season. Hobbsy talked to us about Brendan Aronson. Yeah, um, he was brilliant, really, wasn't he? I think I think we're all. Um, I think we were probably in the group that were thinking, "Oh, this price is." Is expensive, and I, I still do think that. But also, uh, he's he was as as good as we could have hoped him to be uh, on Premier League debut. Uh, threatening all the time with runs in behind, uh, he made the most pressures in the whole Premier League this weekend Storm with thirty one. I'm fuming. Yeah, <laughs> with thirty one, um, and yeah, that's I think that was third in in the top five leagues this uh, this weekend actually. Um, so yeah, he, he set the tone of the press, uh, and what he did really, really well for us in possession, uh, was receiving in the half space. Uh, so 
you can see, even though we're probably going to play him centrally, you can see how he fits on the right in this system better than Rafinha did um, because Rafinha wanted to receive on the touchline with his hips facing in inside the pitch so that he could turn and, and run with it like that. Aronson will receive it with his back to the goal and take it on the back foot and spin uh, in that in that uh, half space and that then totally changes the rest of the team structure um, because we got the ball in a completely different space. Um, and yeah, he looked a real threat. He took some good shots. Um, just a shame that he doesn't get credited with that goal because I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he only deserves it if he actually scored it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I do know what you mean. He, I do he's, know. He's about, to, he's about to score yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about to score it, and it hits the other guy's shin. Yeah, yeah. No, it's frustrating because that doesn't go down on XG, does it? Because obviously he doesn't actually shoot, but it would have been a massive chance. It would have been like point seven or point eight or something. Yeah, it, it would. It would. Um, but I, as I'm contractually obliged by John to say that it didn't. <laughs> it wasn't, so I'm going to say that. Okay. Um, well, Ad- Adam, the ball went in the net. It did go in the so net, and I was very pleased to see it going. These bloody XL wankers. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, tell me about Aronson and and what you made of him. There's not much to add, really. I've obviously kind of stole my stat, which I had that I really wanted to say. But yeah, he was he was really good, wasn't he? And he's probably my man of the match. I think he did deserve the goal, even if he didn't touch it. His sheer presence means that I know he has to react there and put it in. And yeah, I agree with everything Hobbs said in terms of his attacking play. He was really just busy is the word I would use and sort of buzzing around in terms of pressures and, and pressing them and counter-pressing. And you can see how he fits straight into the system already in terms of off the ball. And then on the ball, he was still really decent and constantly a threat. And he looked to have a go at their fullback quite often. And yeah, there's just a lot to like and he's only going to get better. And I was in the camp of, yeah, the price tag seems a little bit high, so I'm glad that he may be already proving us wrong. So hopefully he plays more like that in future. Fantastic. And unless either of you got anything else to say, that concludes our Wolverhampton Wanderers review. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's move on to the Southampton preview. Um, Hobbsy, what was Southampton's transfer business like this past summer? 
just got to get my screenshot back up. But it's been a, been an interesting one because you you may be aware that they have been trying to sign every young player from Manchester City. Um, so they signed Gavin Bazunu, uh, the goalkeeper, twenty uh, for twelve point six million. They signed Romeo Lavia, uh, also. Uh, well, he's actually eighteen, but from that that same under twenty threes team. Although Bazunu actually went on loan last season, um, but yeah, for uh, eleven million, I think maybe rising to fifteen with a buyback. So they've spent a lot of money there, and they apparently made a big bid um, for. Um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember anyone's names today? Liam Delap, um, the <laughs> the striker uh, from from uh, that same Man City twenty uh, threes team. Uh, because I think that their the Man City uh, youth, I think it was the Man City youth recruitment head went to be basically work at Southampton. So he went to sign all these players that he's worked with before. Um, they did obviously haven't got Delap, uh, but they also got Sekumara, um, teenage striker from Bordeaux, um, Arnel Bella Kotrap. Uh, centre-back from Bochum, who I know absolutely nothing about. So, uh, Adam, I hope you know something about it's him. Tiny bit. Joe Aribo uh, from Rangers for less than £7 million, And I absolutely love Joe Aribo. So, I think that's a great signing. Uh, and Matthias Lees, um, who I presume is backup goalkeeper from Altai from, um, from Turkey on a free transfer. Adam, do you want to fill in your bits of knowledge there from the bits that Hobbsy uh, wasn't quite sure on? Well, all I have to say really is that it's just lots of children plus Joe Arriba, really, isn't it? And, <laughs> yeah, it and is. that's what's worrying for them, for me. I think they might be in a bit of bother this season if, if these signings don't work, if they don't actually adapt like quickly to men's football, because a lot of them haven't had the experience. Even like Gavin Bazunu, who's played a full season for Portsmouth and was very impressive in League One, he's stepping up two leagues. So that's quite concerning for me. Arriba should be a good signing. I think that he could work in quite a few roles in their team. And I do think that's a good signing for the price they've paid. Um, Bella Kotchap is not someone I've watched loads of, but I am aware of him because he's fairly highly rated as a young centre-back in Germany. Um, he's quite an aggressive, quite fast player. He's not great with the ball yet, but I think that's some side of his game they're probably looking to develop. But yeah, he's quite a fast I don't think player. he played against... Don't think he played against Spurs. He did not. No, he didn't. Um, I don't know whether they plan to use him in games where they maybe need a little bit more in transition the other way, so defensively. So maybe in home games, he might be more of a, a key player for them when there's teams that are going to be hitting the ball over the top because obviously they're a similar team to us and similar system to us. So yeah, maybe he's one for those sorts of games and maybe not the games against Spurs where thrusting young players in maybe isn't the best thing to do. Although having said that, they played Romeo Lavia, didn't they? So who knows? And thinking about the game at the weekend against Spurs, um, Adam, you watched it, I think, didn't you? Um, so you mentioned a kind of tactical similarity between Southampton and, and Leeds. Um, and clearly there's, there's a kind of Red Bull genus uh, there. Um, how tactically similar are this season Southampton to, to Leeds, Adam? I'm unsure at the moment because I don't actually know how they're going to set up. I haven't actually looked at any of their pre-season games. So I'm only going off the Spurs one, which is why they played a back five um, with Kyle Walker-Peters at right wing-back, who is a very offensive full-back or wing-back. He's a very dribbly boy. Um, and Gineppo at left wing-back, who's literally a winger and a right-footed one at that, playing left wing-back. He's very dribbly as well. 
he got an assist on the day, which was fairly decent, but it was just a weird selection choice for me. And I don't think it's something we're going to see much going forward against teams like Leeds. I think it's more probably for games against the sort of bigger sides away from home and see if they can catch them in transition. I think that's what Ralph was going for. Um, but yeah, with Gineppo at left wing back, Emerson Royale and Kulazewski kind of had a bit of a field day down his side. They constantly just got at him and they got in on that side. And yeah, so I, I just think it was a bit of a weird one, like I say, from Ralph. And I think that we might see him go slightly different against us. We could be seeing him go system for system or thereabouts in the 4-2-2-2. Or he could go back to the 4-3-1-2 that we saw towards the back end of last season when they played as Ellen Road uh, with just kind of a narrow diamond in midfield. I'm, I'm unsure. If they play a back five, I'd be a little bit surprised. But I guess I don't know because I think Ralph is, is sometimes tactically flexible these days. Hobbsy, what, what do you reckon? I think... They seem to be committing to the three five two, um, from from what I've. So I watched the game too, um, but also I chatted a bit with uh, a regular Southampton watcher, uh, who his exact quote: "Ralph has twisted himself up with the three five two because he's worried about the defence, uh, but it doesn't work on any level." <laughs> so, so now um, Leeds lose. Thanks for that one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I mean I felt that it didn't work on any level from what I watched. Yeah. It looked a mess uh, to me, um, apart from that nice, nicely worked goal. I mean, when I say nicely worked, what I mean is nice individual bit of play uh, from Gineppo and then one of those finishes where you volley it into the ground uh, from um, from James Ward-Prowse. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, Spurs would sort of... I mean, Spurs are obviously a very good team and will be in the top three I think um so it's hard to draw a lot of conclusions about Southampton in a game where they just got battered um but I I felt like it was a mess of nothing really Uh, and but what I was very impressed about was was uh Romeo Lavia who I thought was fantastic in a game where his team was awful um but yeah I've also written down sorry I've also written down Bednarek is cat piss. Um, <laughs> so just, you won't get analysis like this anywhere else. Will you? <laughs> the ball, the, phrase, the um, ball going to him will definitely be a pressing trigger for us. Uh, that's uh, that okay, way. that's fair enough. That's you use fair. the phrase "bin juice" in the group chat. Actually, so that's two different descriptions we've had now. Both equally uh, visual. Um, so, <laughs> Hobbsy, uh, see, I think you've already answered this question, really, but I wanted to ask it anyway. So, listener David Hall asks: Apart from James Ward Prowse's free kicks, I'm going to upgrade that to ja- I'm going to upgrade that to James Ward Prowse. Um, apart from James Ward Prowse, are Southampton just bang average? And I think you've said yes to this already, but just one. Well, yeah, I have. I think what I'd say is they've got some. There are a few individuals yeah. that I like. Yeah. Like uh, you've you've already mentioned, Carl Walker Peters, who I think is a is a a nice threat. Um, I like Joe Rebo. I don't think they should be playing him up front, um, which is what Ralph seemed to be doing. He had a Rebo and Adam Armstrong up front, which is just a, a horrible front too at Premier League level. Um, so I I like a Rebo is a ball carrying midfielder who played a bit up front for Rangers in their run to the Europa League final because Morelos was dead and Fashion Sicalo is awful. So uh so they are average but with some decent yes, with some yeah, with some, de- average, with some yeah. decent in players. Fact, in fact bad. bad. I'm going to say bad. With some decent players. Um and just for Joe Hill, um I just want it to be known that I haven't forgotten Kyle 
water peakers and and i'm sad that neither joe never forget are. yeah Hobson never forget. reference that um okay so adam are we expecting the same from leeds again the four two three one four triple two sort of blend thing that, that that we saw at the weekend yeah i'm sorry to be boring but i don't think there's gonna be much changes i think it'll probably be largely the same unless there's been uh, an injury that we're unaware of we're recording on wednesday i think the press conference is tomorrow so Good timing, guys. Um, but no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there'll be much change. I think it'll probably be more of the same. I think Marsh is going to try and get as many of these players into the system as possible that he knows that he can trust now. So Aronson, Christensen, Adams will always play. And then the only players that could sort of be shifted about, maybe Rodrigo could go out for someone like Click. Um, and maybe even Gelhart could come into the team somewhere. But I think that's unlikely. And unless Sinister is back fit I don't think he's going to get in either so it's probably going to be unchanged in my opinion mm. in the whole history of all stats aren't we Adam I just want to point out that we've never recorded a podcast after the press conference <laughs> because that would be you know what what would be the point in what baseless speculation would we be able to do if we had the information from That's the manager point. we'd lose we'd lose points in this section wouldn't we we, we, we certainly would um so Hobbsy we've got Cooper, Forshaw, Aileen, Furpo, Sinistera and probably some other people I'm forgetting out injured. Do you expect to see any of them back at the weekend? Well, I think it sounds like Sinistera had been training. Whether or not he's ready to be included, I I don't know. We know if it was Bielsa, he, he wouldn't be yet. But I have a feeling that he might. If he's okay, he'll be, he'll be on the bench and maybe given a short appearance. Um, but I mean, I I think none of the others. It sounds like Cooper might be getting closer as well, but I doubt he's at yeah. the level to be included. And, and ahead I know of the others won't be. Yeah, but they still won't be that far no, yeah, ahead of schedule. And you're expecting the same team as well, I assume, Hobbsy. Yeah, I, I mean, it would only be whether there were any niggles that we don't know about. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so let's think about the tactical issues for for a minute. So two teams who play with some similarities. Um, what decides games like this where there's two teams trying to do the same thing, Adam? Um, I was going to say moments players. <laughs> that seems to be my stock answer at the moment. But yeah, uh, I think that that's when, when it's a game it can be quite cagey because the teams are sort of similarly set up or playing in a similar style. That can be where it is, uh, won or lost. Another way would be sort of transitionally. I actually think that might play into our hands a little bit more, being away from home and then being maybe the aggressors and playing on the front foot a little bit more. Um, so maybe a moment's player in transition would be my answer, Darren, probably. Um, I, I am worried a little bit in regard to if they're playing with wing-backs and they're attacking us. Um, our full-backs are obviously quite often exposed. And if Christensen's up against Gineppo, then he might have a bit of a tough time in terms of Gineppo is a very good dribbler. It is definitely his best attribute. So that's the sort of thing I'd be worried about for us. But... For them, I think we could hit them on transition. So yeah, Hobbsy, what do you think? Um, if if it's Strauch again in the left wing, left fullback position, how do you think he'd cope against Kyle Waterpeakers? <laughs> well, I I actually think that coming up against wingbacks is probably a little bit better when you struggle against width because they're just starting a little bit deeper, so they're less likely to hit you, like in a wide area over the top, high up the pitch. They've got to sort of come onto the ball from a bit deeper, by which point hopefully you've got back into a little bit more of a shape. Um, so I I think that it kind of plays into our hands a little bit, even though it feels like, oh, no, that's width. Um, it, it's I, I prefer width there than I prefer it in a three 
man forward line, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of don't mind that too much. But I, I think that in terms of where I think we win the game or where the game gets won either way is execution in the final third. So I don't necessarily mean um, moments, players, although it, it could be that. But it's when we're going for those, like those kinds of moves that we went for for the winning goal against Wolves, it's putting together those those sort of quick passing combinations. Whichever team manages um, to to put one or two of those moves together, I think I think they'll be the team that that can win it. And I would suggest that we have like I don't think we've got the best uh, attack out there in in the league by any means. Like it's it's a lower mid table attack really but I think compared to Southampton I think we've got the players that can put those moves together more often so in this game it might just turn out to be a battle of who's got the superior automatic weapons and that that would probably be us on on this occasion yeah I mean yeah I think so and and I think whose press kind of works works the best as well and and like I said I like we we saw last season that we could get exposed by a a good press and Southampton away really did that to us. We could not get the ball out. But if you remember the midfield we had that day was, I think, Click and Roberts and Rodrigo or something like that. It was like a horror show midfield. Um, Whereas I think the midfield that we're likely to put out this time, we are not going to struggle to get out in the same way. Rocker should always be kind of giving us exits, I think. Um, whereas I think if we can get on Bednarek's first touch every time, then I, I feel we're going to cause some errors. Mm. And Adam, you know this this game. It's it's a team with who two teams who are really committed to a to a kind of counter pressing situation. Is there a, is there a risk that this game just gets bogged down in constant turnovers and never really sort of falls into any sort of meaningful pattern? That's exactly how it looked at Ellen Road last time. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that that's quite likely. And I agree with what Hobbs said about the pressing. And if it just becomes quite cagey and a bit of a midfield battle where there's just lots of turnovers, then, yeah, it could be quite a frustrating watch, to be honest. But I think it's definitely a game we should be looking to win. I think, for me, Southampton on paper are, are one of the weakest sides in the league this season. I actually have them to go down in my predictions. So now I've said that, we're going to lose, aren't we? But, you know, um, <laughs> it, it is a game where, even away from home, I, I would expect us to try and get three points. And hopefully we do. That'd be a perfect start to the season. And Hobbsy, do, do Southampton have any particular vulnerabilities that we can exploit? And you've already mentioned Bednarek as one uh, to yep. hit in the counter-press. Uh, cat piss in the counter-press. Yep. <laughs> Cat, that's that's good that could be a band name um <laughs> sorry i've I've lost myself there uh <laughs> on that one um vulnerabilities, vulnerability yes that's it i mean i think adam already said it in terms of uh the left wing back spot which is an interesting one because obviously spurs had a lot of width with kulisevsky and uh and emerson royale hitting that space and just killing them there I would say that Aronson and Christensen will probably get into those areas high up the pitch even though uh, Aronson and we as a team will will be narrow I think we it doesn't mean we can't uh hit those wide areas at all I, I... Uh, and I think we I think we did see Aronson do that a bit 
um, against Wolves anyway. I think that's a fair point, Hobbsy, because although we do play a narrow system, it doesn't mean that we don't use the wide parts of the pitch. It just means that when we are in the wide parts of the pitch, the whole team compresses over into that side, right? That, like, mm, I think it's important yeah. that, we re- that, that people do remember that. So I agree. I think we will definitely see us trying to get into those areas. Um, okay, cool. I think that basically covers as we've already said where we think the game will be won or lost we're all anticipating a Southampton win and a scrappy and horrible game which we'll immediately want to forget um please do check out your uh, Patreon feed and check out our new Patreon which the address for which is what Hobbsy? Patreon.com slash ASAW and you did a video on Click this week? Yeah I mean I basically did it on why were Leeds um looking good in the first half why did wolves then get on top and then why did we manage to change it what did click do to to change it little bit of what we've talked about but with some um with some examples from the tape from the tape not not from the spreadsheets from the tape um no, and tape. we will also be recording two bonus podcasts a month we've recorded one last week which was a, a reflection also on, on the click yeah. also on Matthias click on on click's uh, career at leeds and we are going to revive after killing it off we are going to revive our uh, development team. We, we we can't call it twenty threes, are we anymore? Which is devastating. Be twenty twenty ones, aren't? <laughs> doesn't we, scan we? quite as well though, does it? It's no, not got it's that. Not, it doesn't have that internal good, no. rhyme, so that's not that's not quite as good. Um, so we'll come up with a pithy title for that, or we'll just call it the Twenty Ones Podcast. Um, so we'll be back next week on the main feed. Um, in the midweek again to review the Southampton game and to preview the Chelsea game. And if you're on our Patreon feed, we'll be putting some good stuff out there next week's video, and then a and then the 21s podcast the following week but until then dear listeners all i will say is enjoy the game of the weekend and bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.